Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. This episode is brought to you by Philo. Do you love TV? Do you love saving money? Then Philo is your solution. Philo has shows, movies, and live TV for just $25 a month. You can even try it for free with their seven-day free trial. No contracts, no commitments, no hassles, just a better way to watch TV. Never miss a minute of shows like the hit docuseries Where is Wendy Williams or classics such as Friends. If you can't get enough TV, then there's no better way to watch. Philo has more than 70 channels like BET, MTV, and AMC. And the best part? You can try it yourself with their seven-day free trial. Sign up today at philo.tv slash poppods. That's P-H-I-L-O dot TV slash P-O-P-P-O-D-S to get 50% off your first month. Coors Light presents Heavy Montreal, July 28th and 29th, outdoors at Parc Jean Drapeau, featuring Avenged Sevenfold, Rob Zombie, and Marilyn Manson. A weekend of hard rock and metal with Gojira, Emperor, Under Oath, Hollywood Undead, and many more. Festival passes are on sale now. See the full lineup at heavymontreal.com. Produced by Avenco. Hi, I'm Mark Striegel, host and producer of this show since 2005. On this episode, we're going to talk some rock, some metal, and anything else we feel like. We're also going to jam some tunes, have a drink, and share some honest opinions. Thanks for listening to the Talking Metal Podcast. Let's get things started. This is the Sean Baker Orchestra with Which Way to Radio Land.
We have a great episode for you guys tonight. Des Fafara of Devil Driver and Jeff Pizzuti of the Illusion Company, the company behind the Frank Zappa and Dio Holograms. Stay tuned for both those interviews. Emily is here with me. Hi, Emily. Hello. How are you? <laughs> Good. What music have you been listening to lately? So... I've been listening to Long Cold Winter. I've been in, in a lot of Cinderella this week because Long Cold Winter just had their 30th anniversary, believe yes. it or not. Well, that, Tony Hickbig talks about that in the interview we did with Oh, him did recently. he? Yeah, that they had added some songs from that album uh, oh, to man. the set list. Tom I'm Keeper's so sad list, I didn't get is. to see him. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was kind of like a walk down memory lane because you know what I figured out? And it's kind What's of embarrassing. That? I, I think I spoke about the fact that I saw that my first show was Long Cold Winter Tour. It was oh, not. I, I know what you're going to say. Yeah. <laughs> it was It was the Heartbreak Station Tour. Okay, which the, the one after that. Correct. Yeah. Correct. But I was such a huge fan of Long Cold Winter, and that's when I really got turned on to them. And so. And I was, back in those days, the records came out so and back quickly. Back-to-back. Yeah, they were, were like back-to-back. And the tours, two, I, the tours were back-to-back, I, I believe. But I was doing some research, and I realized that I saw Lynch Mob and Nelson open and then right. I started reading about it and I was like oh that was the Heartbreak Station tour it wasn't Long Cold Winter and I think on a show I've a couple times I've said I saw, that was my first show yeah and Nelson recently played M3 uh, M3 is such a great festival we will definitely be down there again next year I cannot wait we have more M3 coverage coming to this podcast but just today I, I went into the city and met up with, with Jeff Pizzuti who, again, runs the iLusion company, and they are behind the Dio hologram. And I think there's a lot of breaking news in this, this interview with Jeff. So without further ado, let's, uh, let's get into the interview right after we read through our Patreon supporters. Here we go. Emily, may you please read down the list. J.B. Allen, Anthony Mackey, Mike Jones, Jay Vaninsky. Jay, when you come to visit us. Steve Hoker, you too, when you come to visit. He lives like in Dover. <laughs> I know. Right we got to have, if we have like a, if we do like, we like to have parties. And if we yeah, do we like a barbecue, Steve, because Steve, Steve you're coming, like, dude. So close. You're so close. BJ Goklowski, Ron Embody, Dan Metal Dan, Sean Morgan, James Bennett. This one's cut off. Yeah, that's D- David Gray. Yeah. David Gray. Hi, David. Michael Street, Rick Bunch, Jonathan Turner, Fred Rutz, um, John Boveri, and Ralph Petrie. Yes. You guys are awesome. Thank you, guys. Really, really appreciate it. Let's spread the word about Patreon. Let's get at least a, a couple more people joining us. We're still way below our goal, and I know we can do this. We just need to to get a few more of you guys joining us on Patreon with a monthly pledge or donation or whatever you want to call it so yeah but to those 17 people man you guys are the best and you're staying strong no one's quit yet so let's let's add some more guys some more talking metal support and of course you can also support talking metal by leaving us a five-star review on itunes or using our amazon links on talkingrock.net and talkingmetal.net at the very least, if you can't do any of that, you know, you can do a PayPal donation or just go visit our website. It's talkingrock.net or talkingmetal.com. All right. And here we go. A little 
Dio to get us in to the interview. You know, after Jeff had, Jeff Jeff and I had a long conversation before the interview started and after the interview, and the interview is pretty long. So you got it was it was a great afternoon hanging out with Jeff talking metal and talking rock and this is a song that i had forgotten about and jeff started talking about it it is a dio song from 1990 the uh the closing song on the lock up the wolves record which is i think a really overlooked record nowadays a lot of his stuff from that era is it really is and and you know you think of heaven and hell was 1980 and 10 years later, this song came out. It's called My Eyes. It's by Dio. And it's just amazing that at that time in my life, 10 years was such a long stretch. But now when I think about it as a, as a guy in his late 40s, that that those these two songs really didn't come out that far apart. True. You know, it's which is crazy. And and he Ronnie went so many different places musically from that Heaven and Hell record. I mean, you could even say go back to the Rainbow stuff. I mean, there was really a lot of diversity in his music that I think sometimes people forget about. Uh so anyways, this what is What does Zudi have to say about Wendy? Do they talk a lot? Yes, all you the know time. I love Wendy. Yeah, you're going to hear the interview. He mentions he and Wendy talk all the time. I, at least it's all kind of a blur because, like I said, we spoke a long time before the interview started and a long time afterwards. So I'm not. I kind of forget what he said what during was the interview. Recorded and yeah, what wasn't? Yeah, I but was I, the same way. I'm pretty sure he says in the yeah. interview that that they they talk all the time. And I can never remember where like what we recorded and what we didn't. Yeah, yeah, and and. One thing I don't think he said in the interview is Wendy watches out for him. You know, when Wendy like when he was on the road for with uh, with with Dio, there was a there was a time where she was like, "Oh, Jeff, you're not doing that. Don't you know?" So so she's I think Mama very, Bear. Yeah, she's almost, protective. Yeah, she's protective of, of Jeff. And uh, yeah, why wouldn't you be? Jeff's a great guy, and he is uh, working hard on the Dio hologram. Let's hear all about everything Jeff is up to. And it's a lot of stuff, guys. So stay tuned for this interview. And uh, yeah, get ready for the Dio hologram to come to the United States. Can't wait. Here we go.
Hey, it's Mark Striegel with Talking Metal. And we are here with Jeff Pizzuti, the CEO of Illusion. Jeff, welcome back to Talking Metal. Thanks a lot, Mark. Great to be back. We are here at Del Frisco's in Midtown Manhattan, a little step up from the last time we met, which was uh, a diner in Midtown Manhattan. <laughs> yeah, I would say it's definitely a step up from food quality for sure. Yeah, yeah, cool. Well, thanks for joining us again. And you have been busy and all over the news, and I want to talk to you about all this. But uh, recently, you guys completed your European run with the Dio Disciples and the Dio Hologram. You were telling me that you were on the road with them for the whole tour. How, do, how was that experience? Oh, it was, it was great. I mean, from the onset, we did the, we did the rehearsals in Los Angeles, and we actually left probably four days later. Um, our first show was in Germany, so we met in Germany. Um, we basically did the first show, uh, got on the bus, and we stayed on the bus for the whole three, three and a half weeks. And, you know, it was a big, big family. We had uh, 14 guys on the bus, so it was band and crew and myself. Um, we all got along great. And um, it was it was incredible. I mean, we had a lot of laughs. We had you know so many stories that we can right. go into, not go into. Right. We just, I mean, literally, it was for me being on the road for the first time. It was it left a lasting impression that I'll never forget. Wow. I know the guys. It's a true it's a true bonding experience being on the road because you literally have nowhere to go, but the bus, especially in Europe during December. I mean, it was yeah. freezing outside. So uh, we spent a lot of time on the bus, and we had obviously did a lot of time, you know, partaking in alcoholic beverages and yeah. you know, en enjoying and and laughing and listening to a lot of great music and and but literally every night of the show we you know we do the same thing we you know we do our you know basically our to each other knowing this is going to be a great show they they always killed every night they were always you know they're one of the greatest live bands as a group that you know as to be cohesive like that and knowing the pressure they were under especially the first couple of shows to get it right knowing they wanted to do it so hard for ronnie and for for obviously for wendy and for myself and for all the people behind it it really meant a lot to me and they really left it all on the stage so wow. it was great cool and so oni logan ripper owens uh, Simon Wright on drums, Craig Goldie on guitar. Who am I missing? Scott uh, Warren on keyboards Scott, and Bjorn yeah. Englund on bass. Right, cool. And was Wendy on the road with you guys? She met too? us. Yeah. She met us in London. She was at the London show, um, which is like about three towards the end, I guess, or four towards the end. And uh, you know, she was great. You know, she saw the. You know, we, it was sold out in London. It was packed. So to see that show is really one. You couldn't get another body there, honestly. Right. <laughs> so packed. Um, it went over great, and she was super proud of, of not only the show itself, which she saw in rehearsal, but seeing the crowd react to it, it was yeah, different. So. Sure. And, and as, as we've said before, um, you know, not just with the hologram, but really with any performance, it's hard to judge this stuff when you're sitting in your, your basement looking at a YouTube clip on your iPhone. I right? couldn't. I mean, it's so hard. I mean, even me. You know, we watched the uh, the YouTube videos, and I saw the quant you know this is from a cell phone, and I was still saying, "Wow, you know, it didn't capture the moment because to be in that room, it sends a whole different message." Right. But at the same time, it's like it shows you what's possible. I mean, this is with a cell phone; it still you know it still shows you there's electricity in the room, but it is so different. Like I mean, even when I watch, you know, obviously if you check the websites and things, and you see these clips posted from live shows, you know it's. You get you get bored after a few minutes of watching a clip. You know, you're like literally. I'm not gonna watch a 90 minute show on YouTube. I'm right. gonna go to a live show. Yeah, 
I want to hear it loud. I want to experience the you know the whole thing, the whole the whole live experience. And we tried to position it that way. We had a lot of people um, just from an audience standpoint. Our our beginning audiences, to be honest, were on the lighter side. The first two shows, but the minute the first YouTube <laughs> videos were, were posted, I mean our attendance went up like 175 really? percent for the wow. last. We sold out. Yeah. The last three uh, three the three shows were were near sellouts. The last two, I know for sure, were. But right. Yeah. So Oni and Ripper doing some of the vocals, and then the hologram coming on for how many songs during during Ronnie the European was, yeah. run. Ronnie was on for about six songs, six songs. Uh, total about 30, 34 minutes, I think, was the, the, the run time, maybe 35. Right. Um, we've got, I mean, we talk about the future stuff going on, but the, the, the way the show was basically you know, constructed was Ronnie started the show, Ronnie finished the show. Right. Okay. And that was every night. Okay. So we opened with every night with King of Rock and Roll, closed with Rainbow in the Dark. And then in between, we did, you know, Holy Diver, Last in Line. We did uh, Heaven and Hell, Man on, Man on the Silver Mountain. And um, what else? We did one other one. I think I, oh, maybe that was it. One, two. Oh, we, yeah, last lines. Yeah, I think that was it from the because it's broken up by medleys. So that's what I'm thinking yeah. of. Um, but it went, it went over great. Awesome. And we had Wendy on the podcast recently. Emily uh, interviewed Wendy, and she mentioned that some things were being tweaked. And of course, that sent the rumor mill going off on yeah, of you know course, on yeah. the, the comment sections on all these websites blabbermouth which we words. love those comments yeah. are <laughs> can be ridiculous right. honestly so what what's the status of of the the tweaking and what's what's happening yeah so we we you know we put it on the road we're super proud of what went on the road but you know that being said we can make it better and we can our intention was always to make it better um to make it the best it can be so yeah we're we're slightly tweaking the content uh, we're adding two new songs, which will be um, Neon Nights and We Rock, which will be for the U.S. Oh, wow. run. Awesome. That's awesome. Um, Neon Nights. Wow. Um, and potentially one more, which we're, we're talking about right now. So we're going to have um, Ronnie on stage more, and the show will be a little longer as well. So you explained this when you were on the last time, that this hologram technology, you, this isn't an actual, as far as the visual goes, it's not an actual performance. You're recreating... The moves, everything from scratch. Correct. It's not like you're pulling from some specific concert. So the audio, though, does come from a specific concert. Yeah. Correct. The audio is it's from an actual live you know, vocal that Ronnie did. We isolate it. So, so Neon Nights. You mentioned the Neon Nights song correct. coming into the set, which sounds amazing. What Do you have to go to the vaults then and you start listening to, okay, here are the... the Here's what Concerts, to choose from. Yeah, yeah where, where he performed Neon Nights. Let's pull the best performance. Let's pull a line from this performance, a line from that performance, or is it all from one performance? I try to keep it. I try yeah. to keep it cohesive, but I think that you know I do. I spent a ton of time with Wendy, going through and listening to just Ronnie's vocal, figure out because Ronnie was always so perfect. But I wanted. You know, there's certain things about the even the ones we did on the tour. If you listen to those vocal performances, they are so over the top for different reasons. Right. Um, you know, the, the, the version we did of Heaven and Hell was so bizarre because it's almost backwards. The song is backwards the way they did it that night, but okay. I loved it. It was yeah. something about it. It was like super cool. Like he never did, you know, that that part where he always did with the uh, the, the the red part in his face. 
Right. It was a big black ship looking down. Yeah, over it, it wasn't up, on the original up, the added thing exactly. for the live we, performance of that song. We started with that. It yeah. was like that was the way that, that, that performance went, and I love that. So, you know, certain things about each, each performance spoke to me, and I said, all right, this is the reason for this one, this is the reason for that one. And Neon Knights, the same thing. And I went through, we listened to the Neon Knights, certain versions of them, and there's one that stood out. And it's just, he's, that song is so powerful. I mean, he's, it's coming from, not only from his core, but literally from his legs, because it's like, the, the whole song, he sits like at this level. Right. It never goes down, it's like literally just stays at this, because the song's so upbeat. But, um... Yeah, it's. I think I think people are gonna be really happy with it when cool. they see it. And and technically, is like when these concerts were recorded, were the tracks isolated, or is that something you guys somehow technically have to manipulate an isolated vocal track? Yeah, we have to isolate them, so we actually have to do that as a process. We have to. So sit there you have audio engineers come in who somehow can pull out the music and just leave his I mean that's that's incredible technology. Yeah, it's I well, mean it's, everyone talks about the hologram the visual but just that alone And it's is, not is an easy amazing. process. <laughs> yeah. How I does mean, that work technically? Do you understand it? Can you explain yeah, it to me? I mean, I wish I, I could explain it more, but I know that I this is what I ask for and right. this is what I get. But basically what they have to do is literally I mean, what's interesting about the live thing, the live vocal, a live performance is that every mic picks up stray from the other instruments, right? You may hear yes, a cymbal sure. here, because it's impossible to just, you know, even if you're the singer. Bleed, right? It's, it's always bleed, bleeding yeah. through. So to get rid of that bleed was the hardest part. I mean, literally make it where it's not. So it is an isolated vocal track, but you're still getting the bleed of the band coming through the. the you're mic. not getting. They, they've made it where it is so minimal. I mean, not even the human, like literally the human ears, because you'd have to listen for right. it. Right. But it's that that's the hardest part because yeah. it was not recorded that way. You know, we weren't Ronnie wasn't anticipating that, you know, in twenty years we're gonna right. we're gonna do an isolated vocal, just me. Right. It never happens that way. So we but we do do that process and it's really it's hard. I mean it was it, it takes time because I, I went through diff, like two different versions of the um, just that part of it to approving where it was to the point where it was zero. Yeah. You know, it's like the first one I got, there's still too much bleed here. Let's go back and re, you know. Right. Wow. Wow. So, okay. Will the Neon Knights uh, hologram imagery, will that represent a certain era of uh, Ronnie's career? It's going to be, well, probably, this is this still an open item right now. So we're, we're, we're just starting Neon Knights now. So I think we're going to probably keep it around the same era that we were looking for last time, which is about 91. Okay. But we'll see. I mean, okay. there's still some, you know, we, we've we actively started just yesterday, started doing the new um, the new songs. And, um, yeah, we we're Rock and Neon We Nights Rock and Neon Nights. And what's interesting about We Rock is this will be the first time that there'll be an actual, and an, I don't know, you can't call it a duet. It's three singers, but all three will be singing together. So Oni, Ripper, and Ronnie will be on stage together, each taking a vocal. Right. And each singing the chorus together. Right. So it'll be a true grand finale. So I don't know how much you can reveal just yet. I know there's a, uh, you know, a lot of times schedules that have to be followed with releasing information. But it does sound like there is a definite future for the hologram. And yeah. I'm guessing and hoping that maybe some point we're going to see it in the States here. Correct. Yeah. So our plans are March of 2019. We'll be doing a full U.S. run. Okay. Um and, you know, we've already talked to our agent. We've already talked to uh, a bunch of people about who want the show. They've, you know, a lot of people actually reached out post-European wow, tour. News, so, yeah. yeah. So 
they were, you know, people actually, not only the promoters, but the actual fans, which you can get to too, the ones that were actually at the show said, you wouldn't believe that the messages or emails or things that I got personally, and I know Wendy's gotten, it was, you know, it was a pretty emotional experience for a lot of people, especially because yeah. Ronnie was so, um, he was near and dear to a lot of people's hearts from both a uh, family perspective as well as a you know music perspective. So it's interesting. And, you know, I saw the Queen tour, and at one point during that, they had some screens come up and visuals of Freddie, and he kind of sang along with, with, with Brian for a short period of time. Uh, I saw... Prince, uh, what was it, Justin Tim? Uh, what was it, uh, Justin Tim? Oh yeah, that was a halftime show. Yeah, with yeah Prince. that really wasn't a hologram. Though. Yeah, <laughs> not not holograms. <laughs> yeah. Neither one of those were holograms. Yeah. They were video images. Yeah, you know, um, and and people don't seem to complain so much about that. But there is definitely a, a vocal bunch on on some of these these message boards and and yeah. comment sections that seem to have issue with just the hologram its, itself. Uh, what what do, you, what do you have to say to them? Is it a fact that they've just never seen it in concert? Is it judging it before they've experienced it? I think it's a little both. So, you know, there's there's a couple of different things playing at the same time. So one is that you've got this um, this metal community or whatever community speaking out against something that they haven't seen. Right. That's one. Two is people that don't feel like it's it's right, and I think that. That's kind of a selfish attitude, honestly, because you know there's a lot of people that want to see Ronnie that are younger or have never saw him, and they and like we discussed, you know, watching it on YouTube is not the same. It's not the same yeah. as seeing a live show. So you're you're by doing that, you're actually not allowing because you feel it's not right, or somebody doesn't feel it's not right, not allowing the younger audience or the next generation to be able to experience his music. Sure. And the third part is, you know, there's gonna be a period in time when these people they lose a lot of these um, these bands retire and aren't out there at all, and people who go out against it now are going to be, I mean, we all go to live shows. We like it. So what are we going to do as an alternative? We're going to yeah. just stop going? Yeah. I mean, And every year there's less and less. Less I mean, and we less. We just said we're going to see Slayer in New Jersey in a couple of weeks, and it's just like this on is their, their final tour. On their final tour. You know, Ozzy final tour. It's just like there's Aerosmith every final year. tour. Yeah, every year it's less and less. Especially in the hard rock community because these guys, you know, what's different about most of hard rock versus maybe like a – you know, Roger Waters, not not as energetic uh, performance. I mean, Roger's right. great at what he does. Right. He's big show, but he's not running all over the stage. You know, he's like, you know, these guys, they, they like to end on a high note, like Steven Tyler. If he was just going to stand there, it wouldn't be an Aerosmith show. It right. would be very weird. It would be like, why is Steven not moving? Yeah. You know, he's not dancing. He's not doing anything. Um, you know, guys like maybe David Crosby can get away with that, but not, right. not Steven Tyler. You know, yeah. it just doesn't work. So... You know, we have to look at it as a metal community and as, or as a rock community and say, okay, you know, we want this music to go to the... We, we want to pass this music down because we're so proud of it. All of us that are fans of it love it for a reason. Yeah. It really hit us as a, usually at a young age, and it really hit a chord with us, and we don't want it to go away. You know, just to give you an example, this is going to sound crazy, but on my way in, I'm listening to Shadow King which was the Lou Graham Vivian Campbell record right. <laughs> that probably most people don't know. Right, right. But I love that record. You know, wow. that's, what, that's what I'm listening to. And I'm saying to myself, you know, it's, it's one of those things, like as a, as a fan of the music and as that's, a... Talk about deep. Yeah, <laughs> going, going deep, yeah. yeah. Going deep. Um, 
as a fan of the music and as a fan of all music, but I, I just feel like there's there's so many great bands that are out there that we want to make sure that, that get passed down. And we could actually do shows with these bands, ACDC and, and Guns N' Roses, where we can put full lineups together, you yeah. know, and actually make it happen yeah. and still experience the show. So, I mean, like I said, when when I see the, the negative responses, I don't, you know, not to say I don't pay mind to them. Everyone has a right to an opinion, but I always say that, Usually an opinion is based on something you've seen. Like if yeah. you had a negative opinion, you went to the show. That's one thing. Right. Looking at a YouTube is not the same. And, you know, people who are actually judging it based on the, on, and not to say it's wrong, they can do whatever they want, but people who have the judging it based on the overall idea of it, that I think right. is wrong because I think yeah. you're looking at it very selfishly. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Dio Disciples has announced they have uh, an album coming out, yeah. which uh, I'm assuming all original music um, any insight to that? Have you gotten being on the inside? Have you heard any of it? Have you, do you have any idea of how that may tie into an upcoming tour with with the, with the hologram? We talked about it. So it's um, first of all, those guys are super talented, right? So Craig yeah. and you know and Simon and and Scott. These I think they're the main writers on the music, especially Craig and Simon, and they had debuted um, I think two tracks. Uh, at the not this not the, the the ride for Ronnie in 2017 we're in 2016 okay okay and it, really strong tracks you know and I know they're writing more material um, but I know they're I know they're gonna come up with some great stuff you know Craig's Craig's he can I don't know he can write <laughs> he seems like he writes like a lunatic because they got he's got like more records he's like you know the George Lynch sometimes the way he puts out new music yeah. it makes me laugh but he can like, literally write a lot of stuff and. He knows how to write that era of music, and he knows the style they're looking for. So I know it's going to be good. Um, we've talked about it. I was just with Simon uh, in L.A. Simon Wright, the drummer, yep. Yep, Simon last week, or it was two weeks ago now, and we talked about how we can incorporate, because the timing of this is probably going to be the same time of the record, yeah. so how we can actually capitalize on both things. So, we, you know, similar to how a band transcends from, you know, legacy into new music, it's difficult to launch a new band unless you have some kind of legacy tie-in. So yeah. it's you know, so we'll figure out how to make that work. But I know that, you know, they have faith in me. I have faith in them. I know it's it's all going to work out. And, and obviously, Wendy, you know, being the whole thing is we'll make it work as a family. Cool. Well, we're totally excited. March two thousand nineteen is uh, the tentative, I guess. Uh, yeah. Look, or. Yeah. I mean, there's a couple things that, you know, from a, I just want to make these, these points now because it's really important. So when I was on the road, um, you know, there's some stories that, that, really, that really hit home. Yeah. So there was, a, there was, in every city, there was at least one major Dio fan I was going to attend that was friends with the band that had never seen the hologram, the first experience. Two, for a fact, were definitely on the fence. Yeah. And I mean on the fence, like not sure what they thought of it. Um, Ronnie was a friend of theirs as well as being a fan so it was like literally it was like that aspect and those two I gotta be honest one guy's name was Ian he actually searched me out in the crowd right he knew what I looked like right, searched right. me out in the crowd found me this was in uh, Barcelona he couldn't make the show he couldn't make the London show he was from London because of uh, he flew to Barcelona instead and found me in the crowd and tapped me on the shoulder and says Jeff he goes, my name is Ian, you know, I'm a big f fan of the band, and yeah. Simon, and Wright, and the whole band. And he goes, I want to tell you, I was a non-believer in this. I yeah. was like, I was one of the guys outspoken about it. You made me a believer tonight. Wow, that's awesome. And I think that 
alone was like, you know, and that happened at the other city as well. I mean, that alone was something that really, I always, not to say I put a feather in my cap, but that was something that really made me feel good because those are the kind of fans that really, that knew Ronnie as a person and understand what we're trying to do as a whole. Wow. Because it's, you know. Awesome. So it was really, really super. Yeah. And it happened in every city. I mean, we did, people who wanted to just talk to me, they would be you know, like literally wanting to, you know, talk to me about the whole thing. Like, outside the bus, inside the venue. It was crazy. So we, we had a lot of laughs. And I think that, that those are the kind of stories I think that really, um, I even shared, I'd call Amit, you know, at the end of the night, and, and Wendy, obviously, Zappa, and, yeah. and tell her that, uh, you know, all the good things, but tell them those kind of stories as well. Cool. Jeff, to kind of segue off the Dio stuff into another artist that I just love and meant so much to me, especially in my college years, Frank Zappa, the bizarre world of Frank Zappa. You're working with his son, Ahmet Zappa. Let's talk a little bit about how this came about and where you are with the production of the Frank Zappa hologram tour. Sure. So so the Ahmet Zappa introduction, which is one of my favorite stories, is... Um, uh, a lawyer reached out to me on LinkedIn representing the Zappa. On LinkedIn, really? Yes, yes, I've been, I, I sent out like 40 resumes <laughs> on LinkedIn recently. No I one responded. Yeah. It came out of, uh, on LinkedIn and it was representing the Zappa, you know, the Zappa state and said, would you be interested in doing a Zappa hologram? You know, wow. we just announced the DO one. And I was like, yes, of course, I would love to do a Zappa hologram. Because, you know, it just, just it op- it was an open ended question because this Zappa opens up this whole new world of tra- of holograms. Honestly, we'll get into the content, but it was literally what his music spoke to. So, um, so we set up a call, and uh, you know, Ahmed was on the call, Ahmed Zappa and myself, and I had Chad Finnerty who does all my visual effects on the call. Scott Ross was on the call, and um, and we it went great, and we started just throwing out crazy ideas about what we could do with the holograms, and and Ahmed said. He hadn't seen the deal one up to the call. So, you know, I literally sent him the link to watch the Polestar Awards. <laughs> and I'll never forget his reaction because just, to, just to, you know, I wish I could tell him. I wish he was here right now. But his reaction was he's watching it and he goes, that's fucking rad. Like, it literally was that kind of right. reaction. Like, he's watching it. Wow. And, um... And so, you told me earlier, he is a big metalhead, too. A he likes huge it, yeah. metal yeah. fan, and he's a huge Dio fan. So that was a big, you know, just that alone was his, you know, I wouldn't say validation point, but it was something that really put him in that phase. So I said to him on that call, I said, listen, I'm going to be in L.A. in two weeks. I said, let's, um, let's, let's get together. Let's meet. You know, let's yeah. talk about it more. So Wendy came with me. It was myself, um, that lawyer. Amit um, and Wendy went to dinner at El Compadre in, on Sunset in in in, um, in California in L.A. and literally we had what I call the the true breaking of the bread. You know, it was literally like that happened there, and we laughed like you wouldn't believe, and we had a great time. And we have I saw photos of it because the those that night happened to be those nights that they those people come around with pictures right 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 the cameras and yeah. we took like four photos we had we each had we each got a copy of them but they are super funny and it literally was you know us being what has become our relationship but you know Ahmed and I have have literally become really good friends and I think that that is the 
he joined. He actually joined the Illusion team like probably a month. Oh wow! So he's part of the team. He's now, part of the team. Yeah, yeah he, he joined. And when you say part of the team, like uh, board of advisors or consultants. No, no, he's he's my he's probably my with Wendy and Todd, my direct partner. He is. Wow! It's okay. the four of us so that are basically. He's wow. the EVP of global business development. So it's okay. like literally. So he's he's wow. part of the actual team. We. Um, we get along on on levels that are just like with you know with all of us you know Wendy Todd and Amit, we have a certain personality and we're all music like enthusiasts right that's always been the core, and I think that's what sold him and sold me to to work together not just on Zappa but on all future projects you know wow. and he he really was he was at every, he was at the deal rehearsals, you know he was involved in all the deal aspects you know going forward for the show. It's become super important to me and 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 that has led to. Um, you know, working on the Zappa stuff together. I think it's gonna be exciting. Cool. And I, I, you know, I, I like Dweezil. I, I like his solo records. I, I was a big fan of his '80s solo era stuff, and was just happy to see recently that that he and Ahmed seem to be have worked things out. And he put on his website a real nice uh, note that that I guess they are both just. I forget what he said, but he said they both are They both want to. I guess put it past, put it behind them. Put it behind them, and they both kind of had the same goal, which is that they want Frank's music to to live and to be out there. Is that am I paraphrasing that right? But it's it's it's, it's true. I mean, it's like for both of them, and and Amit, you know, and not to get into any of the legal stuff. It's just that Amit always felt, and Le- and Dewey's always felt that they were doing the right thing, and they all had their, their individual opinions for what was right. But I think at the end of the day they realize the legacy of their dad's music is the most important thing and they've you know they are going to work together you know as a, to get this whole thing done and and i'm hoping that you know one day we can have you know the you know dweezil be a part of the show like we had said sure. in october i mean it'd be great if dweezil came out and played with frank and it'd be great if dweezil played a, a solo listen dweezil's an incredible player he's like he's He's up there in guitar players. Anybody who know, you know, it's amazing. He's yeah. incredible. He's like yeah. on a on a level that, <laughs> right, <laughs> on the yeah, ridiculous it's, it's, level. <laughs> I remember um, age when he was 16 years old. I discovered Dweezil. Frank put out this. Remember Guitar Player magazine? Yes, he put course, out. Yeah. They used to have a free record in the middle. It was like a floppy record that came in the pages of Guitar yeah. Player magazine, and he played uh, Charlena with his dad. Wow, uh, and he just killed the solo and ripped. And from that day on, I'm the same age as Dweezil. I was yeah. probably 15, 16 at this time. I was sold on that guy. Great guitar player. He's incredible. And it, it's you know, from a Zappa standpoint, I think it's you know, we all, and you know, myself, and you know, you know as an illusion standpoint, right? We want everyone to be on the same page. We you know, this is for this whole thing was built about the legacy of Frank Zappa. So, yeah. And one thing, you are such a lover of music, which I think this is this is an important piece of this puzzle. I mean, we sat at the bar before we even started this interview, and we're sharing rock stories for, for a half hour. And at what point did you say, okay, there's this technology, hologram technology, I need to do that? I mean, was there a certain day or moment in your life that, that you said, I need to get involved in this. I need to be a part of hologram technology. It was. A, it was. It's like a combination story. But yes and no. So yes, in the fact that there was a certain part in my life that, like, like literally, it was like 
And your love of music had to play into that. It totally did. And it's like one of those things. Like I was upset from a standpoint, like when they did, when Tupac did his hologram, it was 2012. Michael Jackson did it in 2014. That was at the Billboard Awards. I always thought that somebody was going to run with it. And when I didn't see it right. being respected, especially in the rock world, I said, why is this community not getting any love? Like, yeah. literally, what is, why is there a big void? And that's when I started doing my research, and that's literally when I decided to make the, you know, to make the journey happen. And, and it, is, uh, it really comes from the true passion of the love of music. I mean, I always tell people there's music lovers and there's music enthusiasts and right. I fall into the enthusiasts like I can give you a point in my life no matter what it was good bad you know whatever I can remember what song I was either listening to wanting to listen to what was on the radio at this time what was not on the radio like I can go back I remember all the live shows I can remember what they opened with like what it was like to yeah. see these shows. I mean that's a level of music loving that you did that you know some people do have a lot of people have but some people don't get. Right. And I said, there's always that. It's an that, emotional connection. It's an emotional yeah. connection yeah. to the music. And it's, it's something that I always inspired myself. But I felt that we have the ability, as an illusion standpoint, to be able to really involve, pass down legacies of artists that we feel are very important. And Frank Zappa is one. Obviously, Dio is another. Right. That, you know, that kind of music could get lost. I mean, it literally could be a footnote because neither of them are big radio artists. So, yeah. It's one of those things that could all of a sudden, like, you know, classic rock radio, if you look at it from a standpoint of a music lover, I mean, how many times you can hear Dio on the radio in, on, on, uh, in, any, in any major market? Right. Not much. In the minor market, you'll see it because they have the radio shows, like, you know, that are associated for that style. But Dio should be celebrated, and Frank should be celebrated for, as musicians because they were incredible. Ronnie's a vocalist. Was, he's one of the best to ever live. Oh, Frank, yeah. as a guitar player, is one of the best to ever live. Sure. So sure. it's crazy. Yeah. Cool. And you, you mentioned concerts and music and how it's affected you throughout your life. What are some of your favorite concerts and what are some of the most emotionally charged moments for you going to see a band play live? You, you know, you've been to, I'm sure, hundreds of concerts. So what are some of your top ones? You're going to one tonight, actually. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to see Billy Joel at the Garden tonight, yeah, which I'm looking awesome. forward to. I'm jealous, yeah. <laughs> But all right, so I'll give you I'll give you some some highlights and stuff that I can remember like you know vividly. So one that that always and I'll, Jane Andrews is a friend of mine now. She's the manager of Judas Priest. I told her his story because we we love this song. But Judas Priest on the Turbo Tour opened with a Turbo track called "Out in the Cold," which right. I, yeah. love. I love. I, I, I love that it. Was a great. I saw that docking open. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Great show, Brendan Byrne Arena. But I'll never forget that show because the, what was unique about it was you didn't see Rob until he got to the top of the stairs. So he started right. singing before he got there. Yeah, wow. And I can still remember what it was like. You heard the vocal. You didn't see anything. And he got to the top of the stairs, and all of a sudden he was standing. The spotlight was on him. Yeah. That was because the song is such a non-traditional opener because <laughs> yeah. it's not like you know fast or heavy. But it's such a great song. And it was right. literally like, wow, of all songs to open with, I never would have expected that one. Yeah, and that, that's interesting because on that tour, 
it was it was a new song. It was not the single, which was <laughs> what was a parental guidance. Was that yeah, the, it was probably yeah. locked in a parental oh, guidance. Oh, locked in, yeah, yeah, yeah locked yeah. in, locked in. That's it, locked in and turbo. Uh, the the turbo title lover, track. Yeah, yeah. Those were the music videos, at least. Yeah. Um, yeah. So so wow. Yeah, <laughs> great moment. That was one, and then the other. The, there's a few others. So the the one that I, so I went to go see Dio on Sacred Heart with my dad and my brother, and I was probably 12, I guess, um, which is 85. This is after Craig Goldie joined the tour? No, this is Vivian. So Vivian. we saw the first okay. leg. Um, this is the Brendan Byrne and, um, in New Jersey. And we had um, Rough Cut opened up. And I had already had the Rough Cut record, uh, the, f- the first self-titled record. Right. Before, before the, you know, because they, cause back then you could see the advertisement and you'd say who opened up. You wanted to buy the, you, you know, you didn't yeah. know what they sounded like. You buy it to hear what they sounded right, like. Right, sure. Because radio didn't play that stuff. <laughs> no, nobody days. played yeah. it. So yeah, we went to the show, and I remember my dad. It was a Sunday night, and we had school the next day, and it was a big deal because he was like, "Take it." And we, my brother and I, paid for our tickets, even though we never took our money. But we paid for our tickets to go to that show. That's how bad we wanted to go. And um, he's my brother's a year younger. We went to the show, and on the radio, it was on WNEW at the time. They were talking about the Dio show, and they said that. Supposedly, there's some kind of dragon that's going to be a part of the show, which, sure. again, no social media. Nobody knows what the hell they're talking about. And um, the curtain was drawn. You couldn't see anything. And in, on the bottom of the right curtain, and I can still remember this, there was the tail that was coming out of the right. So it was literally, you could see this, this wow. tail. And I said to my father, because we were sitting directly across in the lower level, but directly across, and I said, see that thing on the right? I so bet your you that's dad the was tail. with you at the show, yeah. Yeah, he, I mean, he ate, he didn't wasn't a big fan, but he he went anyway. Yeah, although he loved the show itself. Um, but yeah, he was it was so like that was one and the the last one I'll share with you, which I think is so super cool and and something that is like like just like shows that always have always been. It's like the first time that we that I saw Anthrax was. I think we, we talked about it before, but it was at the Capitol Theater in, in uh, Passaic in yeah. 1987. Yeah, before we started the interview. Yeah, yeah. yeah we Among the Living, that. Exodus, and I call them Celtic Frost. Some people call them Celtic Frost, but whatever, opened up. And that was on their Into the Man- Pandemonium tour. And I'll never forget this. We were young, you know, young kids. And it was about eight of us that were all sitting together in a row. And no parent, there was no parent with us, which is weird. Oh no, the parents that were with us that drove us, they were, <laughs> they bought two separate tickets. Wow. They were sitting in a separate section, so all the kids were together. And um, this this crazy guy tapped, uh, sitting behind us, tapped this other guy on the shoulder, and he looked at him and he goes, <laughs> he had this long beard, he looked crazy. And he goes, "Are you morbid?" And yeah. the kid, <laughs> and the kid goes, "I don't think so." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'll never forget that as long as I live. Yeah. <laughs> so it's just like those kind of moments of and right. and obviously Anthrax was on the Among the Living tour is literally when they were starting to get big. Right. And they absolutely killed. So it's great. And I mean these are these are all emotional moments that you had at these concerts, which are, are great to share and thank you for sharing them. But to and that I believe probably all ties in, all that history you have to what you're doing with the Frank Zappa hologram, the Dio hologram. It's it's those magical moments in a live setting where you ex- experience this type of stuff. And, and, and hats off to you for, for doing this. And we are so excited to see the Dio hologram come through the States. It sounds like in March 2019. 
It's going to be awesome, and that's exactly it. I mean, I, I do it from a very emotional aspect. I take it very seriously. I mean, I love what I do, but I also know that the fans, you know, I look at it from a fan standpoint because I'm a fan first, and I want to drive, you know, when a fan leaves those shows or any show we do, I want them to understand that, hey, listen, I looked at it for what I would want because I'm a fan, looking at it at the overall community. Right. Cool. Because we want we want to we want these these bands to we want them to go out on a high note. So yeah, absolutely. And to, to just kind of wrap things up, uh, congratulations. There was some news recently that you the don't I guess the Dolan family or one of the members of the Correct. Dolan family has invested in Illusion, which is of course the company behind the Dio Hologram and the Frank Zappa Hologram Hologram Jeff's company that we're we're talking about here. And uh, how did that all come about? And can you fill us in a little bit about the uh, the Dolan's involvement? Sure. Yeah. So uh, Tom Dolan, I was introduced to Tom through uh, my PR contact Brian Bomley. Brian runs all my press. He's he's incredible. He's been a friend of mine for about 17 years. Uh, we used to work together. And uh, Brian used to work uh, PR for Cablevision, and so he had reached out to one of his contacts at Cablevision, and he said. I think that you know the Dolans would want to see this, and he asked if I could, you know, if we could send on my deck to to them, you know, my investment deck, and I said sure. I said you know, and it turned out that we had a meeting with Tom Dolan. Now, uh, Tom is that James' brother? Brother, okay, yeah, got so, it. Yeah, Jim's brother, and Tom, myself, and Amit and Brian met together in New York and um, in Long Island, and then Tom flew out to L.A. and met with the entire team: Todd, Wendy, myself, and Amit. Wow. And um, it's been great. I mean, Tom is Tom's such a super guy. He's a music lover. The um, whole family seems to be very. Oh, they are. Jim yeah. is too. Yeah. And and you know, this whole this whole journey has been incredible. And I'm I'm super. I'm I'm, a, I'm blessed to have be able to do it because of, of how much I love music. But I'm super glad that you know what we're doing is for the, the you know for people to enjoy. It's entertainment at the end of the day. And we don't want people to take it too serious. We want people to go back and just enjoy the shows. I mean, it's sure. literally what it's about. So yeah. go out, have fun, you know, have a beer, watch some great music, hear some great music, and and literally just go back in time to when the artist could either perform or or look at them at the at the level we want to see them perform. So right, yeah, absolutely. And to kind of z- uh, zero in on what you were saying there, at a time when they could perform or. Is there is there talks with other people who are maybe still alive, who would like to incorporate the hologram technology into performances? Absolutely. So we have so live like so. We, I, I hate to use the term live performance, but the ones that are with us today, we are going to be announcing at least one, potentially two, uh, by the end of the year. Okay. Of people that you know, massive acts that people will know. We also have talks with an artist of being in part of their show, which kicks off next year, which is another massive artist. So, right, there's a there's a couple of different ways to look at that. I mean, we have you know, you know, based on what we've done, being the first ever to tour what we did. You know, nobody's ever done it before. That was a feather in our cap. That I am very proud of. You know, nobody ever took it on the road. Doing it with a live band, a whole different aspect. Do, you know, again, us being the first to do it, great. Um, especially in the rock world, another one, right? Like literally right. saying, "Hey, listen, we're we mean this because we care about this this music. We really do care about it." And 
and now having these live, you know, these 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 acts that are with us now, knowing this retirement's coming up, knowing it's looking at it from a long tail perspective, how do we get our artists, how do we capture shows or create shows that when we're done touring, we can still be a part of the community, still be able to, enjoy, you know, have people enjoy our music. That's where we are. Right. So cool. that's where it really becomes important. Cool. Well, we are looking forward to those announcements. And Jeff, as always, thanks for sharing the great stories and updating us on everything. Illusion, that is the name of the company, guys. Uh, you guys are online. You have website yeah, and I, social media and all that, right? Yeah, follow us on Illusion Live, E-Y-E-L-L-U-S-I-O-N-L-I-V-E.com. That's Twitter. That's Instagram. Obviously, the website. Um, we try and keep everybody informed on everything we're working on. Um, we're going to have some big announcements in the next, like I said, one could happen as soon as six weeks. Wow, okay. Um, How big a company is it? You have a lot of people working for you? Well, we got, a, we got a visual effects uh, studio that's about 25 people. Wow, and, okay. And, and it's basically Marina Del Rey. Um, and my, my friend, partner, uh, Chad Fennerty, runs that. So he's, he's okay. great. Right. Cool. Um, but yeah, we get along as a group. What's what's what makes us different than everybody is we're all music enthusiasts first, but other than that, we get along well and yeah. as a group. And I think that like, I I was just in, in Nashville with with Ahmed Zappa for you to speak at a music conference down there, Music Biz Live, and being able to like him and I together. Quick story, and I know this is we don't to wrap up. He landed at eleven o'clock. We, we went to get a drink in, on, on Broadway in Nashville, and he goes, "Dude, you know." We passed some karaoke bar on the way in. Let's do some right. karaoke. Right. So we walked into the karaoke bar. Nobody knows who he is. You know, nobody knows who I am. We were in there for 18 minutes. I slaughtered Hoffer Teacher by Van Halen. Like, yeah. killed it in a bad way. And then he did va- uh, Bad Companies Feel Like Making Love. And it was like literally one after the other. And we yeah. One drink and we were gone. And people were probably like, what the hell just happened? <laughs> but it was great. But I remember it, seeing Ahmet Zappa, and I believe it was Dweezil, yes. and John Tesh on keyboard Correct. doing The Wizard. Yes. On, what, what TV show is that? Was that was on Conan O'Brien. Conan O'Brien? So, so that Conan, was awesome. What was that, 20 years ago <laughs> yeah. at this point? Yeah. Conan used to have them on a lot. Those two, not John Tesh, but those two. They are, you know, back then they had a band called Z. You know, they, you know the oh, two right, of them were touring right, right. a lot. Yeah. And, you know, they Ahmet was a singer, so it was like Ahmet's a great singer. So that what made that's what made the the whole karaoke thing. So he made me go first, and I'm like, you know, singing <laughs> David Lee Ross Van Halen, Hopper Teacher. Right. I mean, I mean, not saying I sound a better <laughs> better than Dave. Right. I was like on a whole different level, worse. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it was good. Right. We had a lot of fun though. Cool, good stuff, guys. Jeff Bazzuti of Illusion, and he's the real deal, guys. So let's definitely. Go out and support this Dio Hologram Tour coming to the United States in March 2019. I can't wait. Jeff, see, thank you. See you guys out there. Thanks a lot, Mark. really appreciate cool. it. Thanks, right, dude. We're shaking hands. Yep. You can't see it, but <laughs> I'm just all right. Cool. Thanks, Jeff.
Neon Nights by Black Sabbath featuring Ronnie James Dio on that one along with Tony Iommi, Geezer Butler, Bill Ward on the drums. You know, he left. Bill Ward, I think, played just a handful of dates on that tour, and then they brought in Vinnie Apice, who, of course, went on to be more associated with the Dio era Black Sabbath stuff and, you know, also, of course, Heaven and Hell, which came many years later. And before the interview, we heard My Eyes by Dio from 1990. Such great stuff. And yeah. Some Neon Nights. They're adding another Sabbath song. Yes. I love yeah. this. We rock and Neon Nights will be added to the hologram performances. So cool. Yeah. So very, very cool. Wanted to hit a couple comments off of Patreon these were left on our Patreon page. Sean Morgan said, we're talking about the Vinnie Vincent interview I did here. Sean Morgan said, love the awkwardness of the Vinnie interview, Mark. I'm a big, <laughs> I'm a, I'm a big first record fan of Vinnie Vincent invasion. Yeah, me too, Sean. And when they opened for Maiden in 86, I was a little disappointed Robert wasn't singing, which is funny because I dig Slaughter. I guess I'm more of a Dana Strum fan than anything. And after he disappeared for so long, I thought we'd see Vinny tearing it up on you in a YouTube video, but we never did. So I'm under the impression he hasn't picked up a guitar in a very long time. Man, what a weird reaction to some of your questions. It made me feel weird for him. <laughs> what about for me, Sean? Weird, weird for everyone. Anyway, killer sh- killer shows... And when you meet up with a, a dude at the bar, you should live stream that conversation for your Patreon people. Lots of laughs. Yeah, uh, you know, that's that's kind of how this show started. John and I used to always just hang out at bars and record stuff. You know, there were some funny old episodes with random people at bars that we just pull into the conversation. The show's come a long way. It's, I mean, it, well, it's it just has. evolved. Not even that, just come a long way, because those early episodes are classic. Yeah. Yeah, which, speaking of bars, we're sitting years? in our bed right now, How and I'm many cracking open IPA. Have we, <laughs> How many years in are we at this point? And 2005. I say, and I say we, because a lot of the Talking Metal listeners don't know, I was there from the beginning. I was oh, absolutely. every request. I just wasn't very vocal. <laughs> you were, absolutely. And you've always been so supportive of it. So thank you for that, Emily. F- Fred has responded on Patreon to the Vinnie Vincent uh, talk. Replace the flapper. You have a slow leak from the tank into the bowl. What? I don't know what that means. Keep but it, this is a plumbing comment. Keep in mind that I'm a computer programmer, so I may not oh, know wait. what I'm talking about. <laughs> it was a simple question, yes or no. He couldn't say yes. <laughs> he can't shred. If there's... If there really is a book, it will be full of a lot of words, but he won't say anything. (laughs) I like that, Fred. That's funny. And Steve Hoker says, I'm really nervous about meeting up if if I'm more exciting than Vinny, because I said I was more excited to go to Chiller to to meet up with Steve than actually meet up with a Vinny. (laughs) Dude, Steve Hoker, we already know that we're going to love you to death, because you are one of us, so... There is no, there's never any pressure. We're pretty chill people. Right. It doesn't take much to please the Striegels. <laughs> it's just like a, just a beer and like, let's just chill and talk music. 
Yeah, so we do hope to meet up with Steve. And yeah, just thanks to all you guys, James, Rick, David, everyone who's contributing on Patreon. It is so... Oh, now my son has walked in. We thought he was asleep. What's up, dude? Oh, we've got a special guest. What do you want me to do? Lie down and rock me. All right. All right, so on that note, we're going to get into a little devil driver right now on the podcast. No, and you're then... not. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, we are. No, you're not. Because mommy's going to come and lay it down, sing me a love bar. Okay, all right, well, that's good. She can do that. And, in the and you couldn't eat that, that piece of grass. All right, comedy genius here. This is New Devil Driver. It's called Country Hero, followed by my interview with Dez from Devil Driver, also known for his work with Coal Chamber. And uh, yeah, we'll come back afterwards. Hey, it's Mark from Talking Metal, and we can welcome back to the podcast. It's been a while, but he's back for, I think, the fourth time, maybe the third time, Dez from Devil Driver. Dez, how are you? 
I'm doing well, man. Very well. Thanks for having me on. Oh, you bet. Great to speak with you again. And I'm excited because you guys are doing something a little different with this next record, which is going to be released on July 6th, Outlaws Till the End. I got to hear one of the tracks, uh, Country Heroes, and I thought it was just great and original sounding. I didn't really know what to expect when I first heard about the whole outlaw country metal thing you were doing here and that song sold me on it let's talk a little bit about the whole concept and how this this album came together right well i mean very long story short i grew up listening to all kinds of music i'm not a purist in any form i love everything from blues to black metal i'm more partial to Bauhaus than i am you know metal even you know so right. i i, I my, my music, my love for music spans uh, all, you know, all all genres. And one day on an off day with Devil Driver, we were in a mall. We took one of those photos, like at a cowboy place, like with all of us dressed up with shotguns and everything. Right, right. And about two weeks, and I had it in the back lounge, and about, and I had it blown up really big. And about two weeks into the tour, I was like, you know what? I, I just had this idea. I looked at the photo. And I said, it's going to be three years before the next Devil Driver record, which is extremely unusual, but we're working on something very special. So what can we do for people in the interim, right? And I don't want to do an EP. That's a waste. You put three or four more songs on it, it's a record. Right. And, you know, it seems that everybody's covered punk rock in metal bands. Everybody's covered metal in metal bands. Everybody's covered 80s tunes in metal bands. You know, like what hasn't ever really been done and I said, well, this, this outlaw country thing has never been done. And I always listen to the outlaws. I've listened to Cash, Willie, Whalen my whole life. And I think if you're in America, you're a metal fan, you're at metal gigs, you're going to metal concerts, you're going to metal festivals, you realize that when you're tailgating, when you're hanging with people, you're going to hear Slayer into Johnny Cash, into Pantera, into Metallica, into Willie Nelson. Like, that's normal. In Europe, they, they don't understand that, but... That's just, that's par for the course out here. I mean, right. I've walked up on a million metal bands and middle metal bands buses and heard, you know, fucking Waylon Jennings jamming at 2 a.m. Right. And it's just as heavy as, just as heavy as Metallica to me. So, uh, and to, and to obviously, so that's how that thing came about. We were like, look, we, we are going to, we're going to have three years between a record. We need to do something cool. Let's do something different. And, and then it all just, just spiraled from there. Right on. And do you think this album is going to surprise the the Devil Driver fans? How how do you think they're going to react to it? I mean, I only heard the one song, so I don't know what to really expect from the rest of the record. What? Right. How are they going to accept this? Do you think? Well, they're, they're, I mean, it's about. I don't know if it's about accepting. It's about hearing something that's ferocious and visceral and violent. And what what we're hearing now is people are, that have heard the whole record are coming back like ten out of ten you know, 20 out of 10, like, what the hell did you do here? You know, even on the internet, there was this thing going around. They thought we were actually going country, like we're going country. And, and funny enough, when I sent the whole record to my label, Napalm Records in Austria, they're Austrian, they, they were like, oh shit, it's not a country record. And I was like, you're kidding me. You gave me, you gave us a record deal and you actually thought, Devil Driver was going to give you country songs. And they were like, uh, well, whatever, we back your play. Whatever you want to do, Des, you know, we back your play. You're an artist. That's what you want to do. Cool. But God, thank God that it's this record, right? Um, so I think the feedback that we've been getting is incredible. The fact that 
This thing is almost two, two and a half years in the making. I mean, I almost dug the ditch so many times trying to get this thing done. I really only wanted to do it with a few people. There's a photo of me and Hank three that was in revolver right. years and years ago up in my, up in my house. And, uh, that they did in the magazine. And I keep looking at that. I was like, okay, I'm going to do it with Hank. I need one metal dude. And me and Randy from Lamb of God, like we're, we're best friends. He's partner in my surf company. He's actually, I'm picking him up from the airport tonight to come out for four days and surf. So I was like, I don't want to do it without Randy. And I don't want to do it, uh, without Hank three. And then from there, I was just like, you know what? One who else want to do it and reached out to John Carter cash I had, you know, he got his wife, Anna Cash, on it. Uh, all of a sudden, it just started spiraling out of control. Everybody that I called, basically everybody I called was like, yeah, either I can do it or I'll do the next one or I'll push for you. So uh, it's just a fantastic response. I'm completely humbled and very appreciative of, of the uh, amount of talent on this record. I mean, and I did something. <laughs> I don't know how people do covers with guests, but I did it my way, which is to say, I gave them the song, and I said, you do the song. They're like, well, am I on the first verse? Am I on the chorus? What do I do? I said, you do the song. Well, I haven't heard what you've done yet, Des. I don't even know how you're going to do things yet. So I was like, don't even worry about how I'm going to do it. Just know that it's a heavy metal record. You execute it however you want. And I did that with everybody from Wednesday 13 to leaving to John Carter Cash. I mean, I was there at the Cash Cabin when John Carter was laying his stuff, and he nailed it. And watching his wife do this stuff on Ghost Rider was amazing. So, you know, it just kind of spiraled out of control. The people started coming out of the woodwork, and um, we've got a pretty ferocious record, man. It's, it's one of the heaviest records Devil Driver's ever done. Really? The okay. funny wow. thing is, too, is oh, definitely one of the heaviest records we've ever done. And this is what I'm hearing, too, from other people. But, you know, along the way... You've got to do things that are different and you got to try to break new ground. You got to have a good time with music or it becomes really, really fucking stale. So right. that's what this is about, about doing, doing something different, you know, and you get, for me, it was about, I guess, I don't know the, the way music is now, like not a lot of bands jam together anymore. You know, yeah. if you go they back past files 50s, on the internet, 50s, yeah. Right. Or 50s, 60s, 70s. It's like bands were getting on stage, jamming with each other, doing each other's records, you know, like the Eagles were jamming with so-and-so. And and like, I was like, look, man, I want something like that. I want to jam with friends. And this thing is all a group of big friends, man. And, you know, like I said, jamming with someone like a leave-in. I mean, I I left home at age 15 with a t-shirt on with a, you know, I ran away from home the first time with a fucking fear shirt on. Wow. And now I'm doing a song and I'm doing a song with leaving, you know, it's like, so that this was about that too, you know. I, I recorded at the Cash Cabin. I was honored to be asked to sign the mantle over the, in the Cash Cabin that Johnny put up uh, with his son John Carter back in the day, and I signed it in black sharpie, like right next to Willie Nelson and Chris Christopherson. Man, wow, know? that's awesome. No, so this stuff was like it was like bucket list stuff for me, really. Um, and then doing something that was against the grain. I mean, I kept hearing over and over you know, you guys are going country, this is weird. Or someone would call me, man, this is going to be weird for the brand. This should have been a Des record. You know, I don't know, this is going to be weird for the brand. Or you get the the agents or the people that call you, oh, this is going to be fantastic for you. If you can come up with a really hit radio song and it yeah. crosses over to country, Devil Driver will be huge. <laughs> and then, you know, and, 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 and literally all they would hear is like, hello? Yeah. Hello? Because I hung up on people. 
Yeah. Like people that didn't, you know, didn't get it. I mean, you know, obviously they're friends of mine, so we play around. I'm not just hanging up on people. Right, right. But you know what I mean? I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, click. And I call him back. I'm like, dude, what are you talking about? Like, you know me for fucking years. If I wanted to do something like that, I can sing clean. I can sing my ass off. If I wanted to make a calculated move and uh, for active rock, full panel music, I would have done it fucking, you know, I would have, I would have done it. It would have been done. Yeah. And, um, Funny enough, he's the first guy I sent the record to that guy. <laughs> oh, yeah. And the, uh, it was so fantastic. And the, the, the email back was like <laughs> like three pages. Like, should I ever doubt you again? Right. But, you know, you know what I mean? And I'm like, thank you. You know, and then you know, I was so appreciative of the email back to me. I was like, thanks, man. I appreciate it. So that's, you know, that's the story about this thing. Yeah. Um, and the fact that you haven't heard the whole record. Like, wait till you hear Ghost Riders in the Sky. Yeah. With I, John Carter Cat. I got I got to just tell you I saw Johnny Cash and Willie Nelson on stage it was just the two of them with acoustic guitars and they played Ghost Riders in the Sky which you know was a staple in Johnny's set for Holy for years shit. and it was it just put chills on my spine and ever since that day which was probably like 96 or something 1996 that song really became something really special to me and and I think it's just an amazingly written song and I can't wait to hear what you what you do with this now fill me in on this song specifically you said it's it's Johnny's son and Randy's on the song yeah, too right yeah yeah yeah, it's John Carter Cash, Anna Cash, his wife doing the highs, like uh, all that high right, stuff, right. and me and and Randy from Lamb of God and myself, and it's insane. This song, it's balls out, right? Yeah. Uh, these guys, these these outlaws, these country guys. Like I got to the Cash Cabin. John Carter wanted to spend the first hour talking about his love of metal. Wow. And his and his time when, when when his dad Johnny took him to go see Ozzy and he showed me pictures of of Johnny Cash all dressed in like black with like these boots that were like up past his knees, like I was so fucking impressed. I was like, and all he wanted to do was talk about his love of metal. Wow. All I wanted to do was talk about my, my love of outlaw country, and then I was doing an interview with Wednesday Thirteen the other day, and uh, he goes, he was sitting next to me and he goes, yeah, you know, there's something about those guys, those outlaws. He goes, they're the Lemmies. Of their gener of their genre, and I was like, "Fuck!" I was like, "That's it, like that's it, like that's the sentence right there that metalheads like need to know." Like those cats are the lemmy of their genres, yeah. right? I mean, if they got any kind of hit success, man, it wasn't because they were writing for the machine; they were just writing. And um, yeah, paying tribute to those cats is uh, is an honor, and everybody on this record slayed it. And the guests are fucking fantastic. I know you have the guest list, but yeah. opening the record with with a Hank three song, Country Heroes, with Hank on it, and he sounds like down tuned Ozzy meets. I mean, I can't even explain his tone, you know. Yeah. On that tune, but it fucking turned out fantastic, you know. Cool. And speaking of guests, you do you do another well a straight up Johnny Cash song that he wrote, which is the man comes the man comes around. Yeah. And that's with yeah. Lee Ving. Can you explain who Lee is to the listeners who might not know him? Okay, so Lee Ving is the singer of Fear. Fear is one of the most seminal punk bands in all of history. It was bands like like Fear and Black Flag and The Germs and X uh, and the Circle Jerks that like led my youth like leaving uh is, is an icon a, a full-on legend of the punk rock scene if you're not familiar with fear go go listen to some fear tunes and you're going to hear like real aggression like ferociousness and when i was a kid 
when I used to strap on docks and go to a punk show, like you had butterflies in your stomach. You didn't know if there was going to be a riot. You didn't know if the cops were going to come and shut the show down. Like it was real visceral intensity. So to do a song with this cat was amazing. Uh, cool. And, and, and uh, on the man comes around, he did the beginning uh, spoken word part, but he recorded the ride with me, which is a Hank song, a Hank senior song. Okay, he recorded right. the ride with me. And when I first talked to Levin, I first called, or he first called me on the phone. He spent the first 10 minutes singing Hank Williams songs to me. Wow. So here's my punk rock idol, legend idol, singing fucking outlaw country songs to me, telling me his love of outlaw country, and that he has a country band called Range War, and how his mom gave him a mandolin when he was younger, and that's how he started. And I mean, dude, it was fucking an awakening. And everybody that I talked to had a similar story about loving outlaw country. I mean, I just did another podcast or another whatever. I'm doing just so many fucking things. And the right. guy... The, the sentence out of his mouth was like, you know, well, hey, I'm not a country guy. I don't like country at all. I did it, but tell me about this record. And I immediately went, oh, cool. You don't like Johnny Cash, Willie Nelson, or Will and Jenny? Or, you know, and he goes, no, dude, I listen to Johnny Cash. I listen to Willie. I was like, then then why front? Yeah. Then why did you just make that statement on your podcast? You don't like country. You don't listen to country. You don't know what it's about. So, so have me explain it. I said, why don't you just explain to your listeners right now how I just tripped you up? And he's like, yeah. Okay, I will. I'm a because okay, I will. I'm a big fan of Johnny Cash. I'm a huge fan of Willie Nelson. Like I made this like metal dude come out of pocket and really fucking tell the truth. That's the problem with purists. They all went, Oh, I listened to his metal. As soon as yeah. they close their door, they're putting on fucking, you know, whatever else. They're putting on something else, you know. Yeah. Um Yeah, whatever, you know, and, and I was all <laughs> I was always the kid, like, if I had patches on my vest or whatever back in the day, like, they weren't just one genre. They were like, you know, I mean, I, I had fucking punk rock patch next to a fucking, you know, Howlin' Wolf patch. It's like, right. you know, come on. <laughs> right on. You know? So will you guys be hitting the road to support this album? Uh, we're, we're, we're really slowed down our touring. Yeah, to 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 to, deliver, to to work on art and deliver art. So we've got uh, some small runs about U.S. festivals in July. Okay, uh, and then we've got a, we've got a, a two week run of festivals in August, and then we're not sure if we're going to do something in the United States in fall or not because we're getting ready to enter the studio again. And it's so, so, uh, it sounds like there's a lot of new material tool. coming, right? And a lot of new material so, coming from so, Devil so Driver. So much new material. So much new material, man. And look, we've been road dogs for 20 years that it's to the point now where you, you just, you got to lay out for a minute. And when you lay out, what you do is like, do what? Like, I mean, obviously I run businesses. I've got the Oracle management and Suncolf, uh, you know, surf, but like, well, I get bored. So it's like, yeah. okay, let's make music. So we're sitting on so much material right now. And yeah, we're definitely going to enter the studio soon. So again, Outlaws till the end comes out this July, July sixth, and then we're looking at possibly another record from what I'm reading in 2019, and maybe even another one in 2020. We'll see, man. I mean, yeah. I'm looking to step up the game. I'm tired of bands releasing a record every three or four years, and you see what they do. Sometimes, if they do every three or four years, what and that record trips up, and that record trips up, and that you know, you know, the fans pan it. Or, or people pan it, now what are they going to do? Wait right. another two, three, four years? The company's going to be gone. It's a different scenario now, you know? And when I was younger, I mean, I don't know how old you are. So when I was yeah. younger, I got a record every year. 
Right. Yeah, you know? me too. I'm 48 I mean, from, years old. From, yeah. Okay, yeah, you got a record every year from your favorite bands. Like, when, when did it start becoming this popular thing to wait three, four, five, six years for somebody to put out music? Like, obviously, we paid you too much because you're just sitting at home. Like, give us right. some music, man. Like, and the reason you're sitting at home is because you have fans and they want music. So, like, fucking put it out. So, yeah, I'm trying to now get to a, a schedule where we do every 16 to 18 months put out a record. You know, and I put this thing out on social media that was like, um, uh, what do you call it? Like, a, whatever, like, you know, you pick one, two, pick one or pick two or pick three or whatever. And it was like, you know, you want a record every two years, you want a record every four years, you want a record every year. You know, it's like 95% or 6%. Like, give me a record every year. Right. You know, so when you have voting like that, you know what people are thinking. And I've got three, three kids all in their 20s, sons all in their 20s. Wow. They they get new music like every month from their artists, you know. Yeah, yeah. You know, so yeah, and I think I think metal needs to step up the game. Like, come on, come with some music and come with it, come with it ferocious and come with it on time. Don't be making people wait three, four, five years for records. And we're not, we're definitely not going to do that. Right on. And the newer stuff that you're working on, the original music that you're working on with Devil Driver, any sense of where it's going musically? Is it a is it a different direction than what we're used to? Are you going somewhere different or is it kind of just the stuff that we love and that you've already done, just new versions of it? You know what I'm saying? Where are you, where are you going artistically with this stuff? Right. It's definitely not too early to tell, but it's too early to to talk about okay okay I'm, I defi- I'm definitely but here's what's happening in devil driver world starting with outlaws it started with trust no one our highest debut in our whole career right we're going to start we're starting to step it up and i'm going to definitely move the needle okay so sure. so you're and i'm going to move the needle with them you're not going to get you know and every record devil driver record has been different from each other i mean they they sound different but it's definitely devil driver this one, I'm definitely stepping it up. I'm take, I'm going to the next level with this next record, just like we did with Outlaws till the end. When you hear Outlaws, you'll hear what's happening there, and you'll be like, "Oh shit, okay, I can feel it coming," you know. And that—that's what somebody just told me in a previous interview. Like, for some reason, they heard the whole record. You did it, yeah, and uh, or at least or at least five songs, and they're like, they're like, "Oh fuck, if this is Devil Driver." I can't wait for the next records. And I was like, cool, get ready. Here it comes. Well, I can't wait to hear it. Yeah, like I said, they just sent me the one song, uh, Country Heroes, which sounded great. And I love the beginning on that, this like haunting thing. And then it kicks in. It's really good stuff. And again, I can't wait to hear the whole thing. Outlaws till the end by Devil Driver. And uh, Des, before before I let you go, I just uh, read something in the press that I thought I found kind of interesting. And I wanted to see if there's any truth behind it. Are, are you going to start playing cold chamber songs in in your devil driver sets in the future or is that something that maybe already has started happening <laughs> no we talked about it you know and i think it's something that needs to happen yeah it just has to be right it has to be right has to be done right it's not like you go out and you just you know throw in one of those tunes you got to do it right so uh you know it's it's great i i do get asked about cold chamber and for the obvious reasons i mean it started my career yeah. Cool. Well, Des, it's always a pleasure talking to you. We're going to have links up in the show notes where people can pre-order Outlaws till the end by Devil Driver. And it sounds like we have a very exciting few years on our hands with you guys. I can't wait to to hear all this new music that's, that you are working on. 
Man, I appreciate the support so much. I think people are really going to love this. I mean, we did this for one reason only, and it's for music fans. We didn't do it to, to take it out and even go do these songs live unless, unless we're joined by these guests. Like, we just wanted to put something together that was, had never been done, styles in, that had never been done, you know, two genres that have mashed up with four genres of singers, punk rock, outlaw country, gothic rock, and metal, and put something crazy together. And the, the end result is fantastic. So I hope everybody just enjoys this. This is meant for, like, the listener that wants to hear something special, you know? Right on. Cool, cool. Well, again, thank you, Des. We appreciate your time. Thank you, brother. Have a great night, man. Okay, you too. Take care.
big thanks to Dez from Devil Driver for joining us here on Talking Metal. What you just heard coming out of that interview was Clouds Over California, some classic Devil Driver going back a number of years at this point, probably over 10 years. And yeah, that interview is edited down per request uh, of the the publicist and wow. It, I think I think that was a good interview. I think it was even better before it was it was cut down. But there you go. I always volunteer to edit these interviews before I start them. It's rare that people ask me to go back and pull some stuff out, but sometimes it does happen. And there you have a shortened version of the epic interview I did with with Dez, a little uh, less controversial, if you will. So. I think I'm going to just stop saying that because I'm just after so many years, I just always say, Hey, you know, this is recorded. So if you need me to pull anything out, I will. I think I need to stop saying that seriously uh, because it's just a, a nightmare to have to go back and edit the interviews and, uh, you know, clean them up and stuff like that and lose stuff that is headline material. But, but that's what happened there. And, yeah, so Emily, we're going to sign out here. Our next show is what? Slayer at PNC? Oh my God. Slayer, Behemoth, um, Anthrax. I don't know. Lamb of God, Testament, right? I don't know. Lamb if we'll, of God and Testament. I don't know if we'll get there we to see all there. those bands. I want, I want to see every. There's already an issue with finding a babysitter because my mom isn't around. That's a long stretch of oh time. Oh God. We have so, to be there. Yeah, we'll, we'll try our best. Um, Definitely, we'll be there for Slayer, for sure. Come find us. Yeah. Who's going to be there? I posted. Jeff Mazzuti might be there. He said he, he's right. planning on hitting the show. So Come find us, because we want to hang with y'all. Yeah, definitely. And then after that, we also have Def Leppard and Journey, which I'm really looking forward to. That's right by our house. So fun. Def Leppard is always so fun. There is also... A show. Wow, this is all. There's a lot of stuff going on for us in June. So much. Uh, also, in late June, there is another PNC show. What is that? That's White Snake, Foreigner, Can't and wait. Bonham. So, looking forward to that too. A lot of great stuff coming up. Let us know what you you are going to see this summer. There's so many great tours. I feel like a lot more than last summer for some reason. But uh, yeah. we're not seeing Ozzy and Priest until September, right? Ozzy and Priest in September. And, you know, PNC in New Jersey is where we see a lot of our shows. And I don't think we went to PNC once last year. And we almost always go there about twice every and year. This year we're and going this, like seven now times. Now in June alone, <laughs> we're going we're going twice. Four. No, we're going like three or four to times. To PNC, we're going twice. But yeah, there's like four shows in June. And then we're going back in July for Weezer. And then we're going back in again. August. I don't know if we're going back in August. Going, priest. Oh, yeah. So priest yeah. and Deep Purple. But priest, those are in th- those are priest and Ozzy are, are priest, Deep Purple, and Ozzy is two separate. separate shows. Those are both in September. Yeah. Yeah, but both at PNC. Yeah. So yes. ton of ton of stuff going on at the PNC Art Center in Homedale, New Jersey, down there, not too far from the Jersey Shore. It, when the weather is nice, that place has the best vibe. Yeah, and it's almost always nice when we're there. So I'll say that, and it'll probably rain at every show this summer for us, but I hope not. It's a, it's a great sounding venue, too. Um, outdoor pavilion. 
the PNC Arts Center. On that note, we're going to wrap it up. Guys, again, thank you for using our Amazon links. I see you're using them. They're paying off, so thank you. Please join us on Patreon and tell your friends about Talking Metal. Wear a Talking Metal t-shirt. You can buy one from me. Just uh, send it to me via uh, 20 bucks via PayPal. Let me know your address, and I'll get that out to you. And shirt size, of course, the Talking Metal t-shirts. All right, thanks, guys. Big thanks to Jeff Bazzuti and Des from Devil Driver for joining us here on Talking Metal. To take us out, let's check out a little Riot 5 with Victory. This is so Maiden-esque, it's crazy. I mean, it, it almost aces high. It sounds like the way he delivers the verses. Very aces high. Uh, so here we go. Little victory by Riot 5. <laughs>